Uh, this is a warning, actually. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and the poor man in filthy old clothes comes in, also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploring you? exploiting you are they not the ones who are dragging you into court are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong if you really keep the royal law found in scripture love your neighbor as yourself are you doing right but if you show favoritism you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now you can hear me. Excellent. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church Pracker. Why don't we pray as we head into the Bible? Now, Father, we've just heard from your word, and as Jan said, there's a warning in that for us. We pray that now as we come before you and seek to listen to your word, that you would help us heed the warning, work in us by your spirit, so we're those who don't just hear what you say, but do what you tell us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to start today by telling you a story from the Old Testament. It's a really sad story. Um, if you're familiar with the Bible, you might know of Abraham. He's one of the central characters in the Old Testament. Uh, he has a son called Isaac. Uh, when Isaac grows up, he marries a woman named Rebecca. And together, Isaac and Rebecca have twins, uh, Esau and Jacob. And as the sons grow up, each parent kind of has their favorite. So um, uh, Isaac, dad, he loves Esau. Uh, Esau's a hunter, an outdoors kind of guy. He's a real man's man, and he becomes his father's son. His dad loves him. Rebecca, the mum, loves Jacob. He's a bit more of a homebody, and he becomes his uh, his mother's son. Both parents favoured a different child, and this had disastrous effects on the family. So Esau and Jacob bought into this favouritism. They came to resent one another. 
they antagonized each other and, and they really sought to outdo each other in life. And this all came to a head one day. At his mother's insistence, Jacob betrayed his father. He lied to him and he stole his, his brother, he stole Esau's inheritance. And Esau decided, I'm not going to take this lying down. And so he makes a plan. He plots to kill his brother. Uh, and his mother finds out about this. And so, of course, his mother then, loving uh, Jacob more, says to Jacob, you need to flee and get out of here. He doesn't really have time to pack a bag. And Jacob just has to get out of there. The parents played favorites. And it tore this family apart. So after going through all this, what do you reckon Jacob would have been like when he became a father? Well, Jacob had 12 sons and at least one daughter. There's a big family. But of all his children, Jacob loved one more than the rest. Jacob loved his son, Joseph. You may have heard of Joseph and his coat of many colors or the Technicolor dream coat. Joseph's dad gave him that coat. None of his brothers got one, just Joseph. And you know, the whole idea with this coat is it's not the kind of coat you wear to work because Joseph didn't have to go to his, didn't have to go to work. While his brothers labored in the fields, Joseph just kind of kicked back and reclined at home with his dad. Can you imagine then the jealousy his brothers feel towards him? Well, you don't have to imagine. The Bible tells us they hated Jacob for it. They resented him because their dad treated him better than all the rest of them. And once again, in this family, it all came to a head one day. One day, the brothers are out working the field, all the brothers, that is, except for Joseph, who's at home with his dad. But then Joseph's dad, Jacob, he sends his son, his favorite son, Joseph, out to the field to just check up on his brothers, make sure they're doing the right thing. And his brothers see Joseph coming from a long way off. And so they start plotting, let's get rid of him. And so as Joseph gets closer, they, they, they attack Joseph. They throw him into an empty well. And then they notice some people coming by, people heading in a different direction, people from another country. And so they lift their brother out of the empty well and they sell him to be a slave to these passing travelers. You'd think Jacob would have learned a lesson from his own childhood. Playing favorites with your kids just does not work. It's a recipe for disaster. Do not do it. But he doesn't. He repeats the mistake of his parents. And his family is also torn apart. Joseph ends up in a faraway country as a slave the brothers tell their dad that Joseph is dead, a wild animal attacked him. And Jacob, the father, ends up spending his old age in tears with no one to comfort him because the son that he loved has died. Why did we get here? Because just like his parents, Jacob played favorites with his kids. Now, we don't like this, do we? This idea of favoritism and giving someone better treatment than the rest. We see it all the time. It happens in politics. It, perhaps it happens in your workplace. Perhaps it happens in your classroom. Even in families, we, we see it at times. We might see this. It's all around us. We see it everywhere. But but I think we'd agree it's, it's, it's an ugly thing, isn't it? We don't like this when we see it. Did you, did you hear the call from the Bible then today? It's really clear, isn't it? 
in church, there's no room for this. In church, there's no place for playing favorites. If you're a believer, in your life, there is no room for favoritism. That's what we just read in James. Uh, James is a part of the Bible. It's, uh, we're going through this part of the Bible on our Sundays here at church and in our midweek, in our community groups. It's a letter written by James. James is Jesus' brother, and he was a leader uh, in the church in Jerusalem. And he's writing to Jewish Christians, and they were probably part of his church at one stage. But they've had to spread out now. They've been scattered. There's been persecution that's come. They've had to flee. So now they're living all over the place. And James is writing to them. And today he says, in no uncertain terms, showing favoritism is wrong. That's, that's the first point. Really simple, really practical. Right? Showing favoritism is wrong. Uh, to get our context here, in the last week we saw that James is t- talking about what is pleasing to God. He says, if you want to please God, read his word, read the Bible, and then do what it says. And today we see a really clear example of this. Doing what God says will mean we don't show favoritism. Right, just look at verse 1. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. I mean, you can't get any clearer than that, can you? <laughs> then James goes on to give an example in verse 2 to 4. He says, imagine you're in church and two people come in. One of them is rich, one of them is poor. If you treat the rich man well, but if you treat the poor man like he doesn't really matter, then then you've shown favoritism. You've discriminated, and that's wrong. That's not fitting. It's not right. Did you hear the story about the um, American pastor? His name is, um, there he is, James McDonald's his name. He's the pastor of um, Harvest Bible Chapel. It's a mega church in the US, right? One day, one Sunday, this guy, he dressed up like a homeless man and sat outside the front of his church. He wanted to see how people from his church treated him. <laughs> a bit of a confronting thing to do, isn't it? Um, do you know what he said afterwards? He said, he said, I'm so grateful for my church. There was, sure, there were some people who passed him by, but he talked about there, there were so many people who, who just stopped and spoke to him and gave him some food and prayed with him, people who invited him to come into church to be with them. Now, I'm not quite sure how I feel about the deception involved in all of this, but and actually later, I found out this morning, later this guy was actually fired from his church because of his controversial behavior. Um, but it's confronting, isn't it, what he's done there? How do we treat people? God's word says to us really clearly, showing favoritism is wrong. And I reckon if I asked you all individually today, you'd all say, yes, we agree. Showing favoritism is wrong, but there's a problem for us, isn't there, friends? The problem is it's just so easy to do. Not that we necessarily you know, mean to do it. We might be even be unaware that we show favoritism, but it's so easy to do because there are just some people I know well and I get on better with them and we just click and it's easier. So maybe even without thinking about it, we do show favoritism. As a church, how do we make sure we don't do this kind of thing? How do we? Well, let's think practically. You know, what if someone walks into church here with us and, 
And what if they're not like you? Maybe it is that they're quite poor and perhaps even homeless, but maybe it's something else as well. Maybe they come in uh, wearing a T-shirt that's got like a political statement that you don't agree with or, or, or a logo of a political party that you're not really fond of. Perhaps after this very quickly you find out that they've got a some kind of history, whether they've been maybe in prison or, or have got an addiction in their past. You know, whatever it is, this is what the Word of God, this is what our Lord God tells us in His Word. He says this, Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Even if someone is different to us, we don't show favoritism. As whoever walks into this place, we welcome them. And, you know, this isn't just a call for the welcome, for, 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 for the people out the front there to do a good job of welcoming. This is actually a call for all of us. You know, everyone, if this is your church, uh, if you call yourself a part of our church here, do you know you're on the welcome team? You are. We're all on it. We've got a dedicated host team who help us do a bunch of formal things like getting our name tags on and pointing us in the right direction and getting morning tea for us later on. And, but they aren't the ones who do the welcoming. All of us do that. That's our job together. Whoever walks into this place, we are all on the welcome team. So how do we make sure we welcome them uh, without showing favoritism? How do we welcome anyone who walks in our back doors? Well, here's just a few practical ideas. Firstly, can I suggest be early? I know you can't always and things happen in the morning, but be early. Aim to arrive 10 minutes early. That gives you the best chance to actually meet a newcomer before church has even started. Because often they'll be early too. If you're here, you can, you can help make them feel welcome no matter who they are. And on that, can I say as well, the first two minutes after church are super important. Don't wait to meet someone new because you've got to chat with your friend. Grab your friend and go and meet the new person together. The first two minutes after church are, are the most important minutes. And thirdly then, like I said before, just take a friend with you. Sometimes it can be nervous because you're feeling that maybe you're not really good at meeting new people. And so take a friend with you and, and, and meet them together. That's just a few few ideas. And you might have better ideas. Uh, but remember, why are we doing this here? Why are we making an effort? Why are we all on, on the welcome team? It's not because we're, we're legalists. We're not writing a new law. And it's not saying, well, you know, I noticed that someone was five minutes early to church, not ten minutes, so that's not a good mark on that. No. We do this because we're convinced the news about Jesus is good for all people. So you want to welcome everyone. Not showing favoritism to people who are like us. We want to look out for all of them. The, the news of Jesus is good news for everyone. That's the first point. Really clear, really simple. Showing favoritism is wrong. And I reckon, again, we're all going to agree with that, aren't we? Even if you're someone who's really not sure about Jesus, you'd probably agree with that too. Playing favorites is wrong. But, but why? What's the reason? Or especially, what's the reason if you're a believer? Why is this wrong? James talks about three reasons. His first two reasons, they really have to do with the situation that, that he was in back then. James uh, is talking about their problem of showing favoritism to the rich and treating poor people badly. So in verse 5 and 6, James gives his first reason and he says, God shows grace to the poor. God honors the poor by bringing him into his kingdom. 
So how can you dishonor, how can you dishonor the poor then? Stop it. It means you're out of step with God. Don't do that. That's his first. And then second, James gives another reason in verses six and seven. He says, showing favoritism to the rich doesn't actually make any sense because they're the ones who are exploiting you, right? They're the ones who are treating you badly. Why would you respond to that by treating them with a favor? It doesn't make any sense. And again, it's not here that James is telling the Christians to treat rich people badly, but he's saying, you've got no reason to play favorites with them. It doesn't make any sense. Don't do it. Treat all people properly. Those are the first two reasons. And, and they're tied up a lot with, with, with the situation that James is in, that church he's writing to is in, uh, treating the rich people well and the poor people p- badly. But the third reason, James gives a third reason, and he spends a lot more time on this reason, so we will too. And here it is. Here's the reason he gives us. Showing favoritism is wrong because... It violates Jesus' law of love. James doesn't always point to it, but so much of his letter reflects the teaching of Jesus when Jesus was on earth. And this part is actually no different. So remember back to the time Jesus was asked a question. He, people came to him and asked him, Jesus, tell us, what is the greatest commandment? Maybe you remember this part of the Bible. Um, What was Jesus' response? He said this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus said that, he was quoting from a part of the Old Testament, a book called Leviticus. And James picks up on that here. So look at what he says in verse 8. Why is favoritism so wrong? James writes, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. See that? Showing favoritism violates Jesus' law of love. Because favoritism isn't loving. It discriminates. It treats someone as if they are lesser. That's not Jesus' way. And notice there, it's called the royal law. Why? Because it's been given by the king, Jesus. This is what it's like now in Jesus' kingdom. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we don't show favoritism. I've got a bit of show and tell for you. You ready? This here, it's um, my old school shirt. There you go. Uh, we had a tradition in my school. On the last day of primary school, you got to bring an extra shirt along and all your friends got to sign it. And so you end up with a whole bunch of things that just say, hey, good luck next year, we're going to miss you. And some people actually just write their name in big letters to take up a lot of the space. But um, I've got my favourite one here. I'll tell you, I'll read out this one. Um, here it is. It says, to Scott, Nigel is the best, mate, from Nigel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can guess who the class clown was, right? <laughs> um, 
This I got this. This was my last year of primary school, 1998. So 24 years later, if you do the math, now you know how old I am. Um, I'm going to put this on for you. Just bear with me for a moment. It's been a little while. <laughs> it has shrunk. Yes, Kevin. <laughs> I swear I didn't wash it. <laughs> it doesn't really fit, does it? Um, here's the point of this. Now, I look like a fool when I'm saying this, but it helps you get the point right. The shirt doesn't fit. Because it belongs to the past. Things have changed. It doesn't fit anymore. Now let me take it off. It did just get stretched then a bit. Um, It belongs in the past. It doesn't fit anymore. That's kind of like what we're seeing here with the Bible. When you come to Jesus, things change. When you come into Jesus' kingdom, things change. The king gives you a new way of living life. And it means some part of your old life will not fit anymore. It's unfitting for you in this new kingdom. In Jesus' kingdom, he calls on us to love our neighbor, no matter who our neighbor is. So even if favoritism was part of the old life, it does not fit anymore. Leave it behind. Then in the next few verses, James goes on to talk about being a lawbreaker and the coming judgment and escaping that judgment. And I'm not actually going to touch on that right now. It's something that we'll pick up on a bit next week. But for now, I wanted to ask, what does it mean for us to do this? Showing favoritism is wrong because it stops us loving our neighbor. So how do we make sure we do what the Bible says here? I was kind of trying to wrestle with this over the week and thinking... Well, what are the roadblocks then that stop us from loving people and treating people equally? What what are the roadblocks that stop us from loving our neighbor? And here's one I thought of. I think we often get to a point where we think, well, what if I just disagree with them and we just don't get on? And, you know, that can be heightened for us sometimes. You know, what if I don't agree with this person? What if we have a big fundamental disagreement because they disagree with the Bible? And maybe they think differently about sexuality or gender or abortion or whatever the hot button issue of the day is. These can be a roadblock to loving someone. So so what do we do here? Let me say again. Our Lord has told us to love our neighbors as ourselves. But more than that, he's actually even shown us what it means as well. Do you remember Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan? Uh, In the story, who really loved their neighbor? Well, it was the Samaritan. That's the whole point of the story. The Samaritan did, even though it crossed all sorts of lines in the ancient days that you shouldn't cross it crossed racial lines and religion, religious lines and lines of common decency for people back then. It even cost the Samaritan personally. There was a personal cost involved to himself. And yet, Jesus tells us that's what it is to love our neighbor. It's not always easy. It's not always nice. It's not always familiar. It will be costly. And you know, Jesus didn't just talk about this either. He, he did it, didn't he? Jesus spent so much of his time with many people who were considered undesirable. 
How do we put this into practice, this kind of extreme love for our neighbours? Imagine if someone then, uh, next week, someone from the transgender community walked in our back doors. What do we do? Love means we don't show favouritism. We'll welcome them just like we do anyone else. Now, we might have disagreements. We don't need to change what we believe. We may very well disagree, but we don't show favoritism. We show love. Because that's how it is now in Jesus' kingdom. That is the fitting thing in Jesus' kingdom. Friends, are you ready for that? There's a second roadblock I thought about too. A second roadblock that sometimes keeps us from loving our neighbour. And that is just feeling overwhelmed at, at what there is to do. There's times when you can see all the things, all the ways you could show love to this person, but it's overwhelming because you can't do it all. And even if you tried to, you'd burn out within a few hours. It, let me just quickly say a couple of things to that. It is right to feel this way sometimes. That is, we are limited. We can't do everything. And we're not supposed to be the saviour of someone's life, let alone the saviour of the world. That is Jesus' job. It's okay to feel overwhelmed by things. Secondly then, don't use this as an excuse to get out of showing love. As if it's all just too much, so you, then you might as well do nothing. That, that's, that's an excuse that's not showing love at all. But get to know yourself. Get to know what your limits are. Get to know when you need rest. Get to know what recharges you. And throw yourself at doing what you can do. And remember, as you do this, you're not an island. You're actually part of a church here. And so bring others in to help you, to help you do the things that you can't do. And, and, and where you can't do things as well, pray. You know, our God is not limited like we are, right? So pray he'd be at work with you when you can do things. And pray God would be at work even when you cannot do things, when you need to rest. Don't let this be a roadblock to loving people. When Isaac and Rebecca played favourites, it ripped their family apart and their son failed to learn the lesson from them and it ripped his family apart too. Today in James, we see uh, him pointing us to our Lord Jesus who shows us a better way who brings us into his kingdom and he says, now you're in my kingdom, here's what it's like. We love our neighbours as ourselves. So friends, for us here then, as a church, let's be known as those who don't show favouritism, but as those who do show love, no matter who comes amongst us, no matter whose path we cross. I'm going to pray for us now that that would be what marks us as a church. Let's pray. Father, we have heard your word. It's very clear and very simple. You want us to not show favoritism. You want us to be like our Lord who told us to love our neighbours as ourselves. We recognise this can be tricky for us and hard and so we come now, God, praying and asking for your help. 
please help us love our neighbour as ourselves. Please help us not show favouritism, especially here at church. Please help us when we come up against those roadblocks. Please help us not to be discouraged because we disagree, but to show love. Please help us not to be discouraged because we're feeling overwhelmed, but help us do what we can. Please use us, not to show favoritism, but to show the love of the Lord Jesus to those around us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.